was lucky enough to have a business coach that said, if you're going to be a real estate agent, don't just be somebody who's chasing transactions. Do something that you're passionate about. Hi, my name is Brenda Tusshouse, CEO of Remax Results, where we think differently. We believe the sales executive is the customer, and we are proud to work with the highest producing sales executives in the country. This podcast will share their stories, their purpose, and their strategies to becoming market leaders in Minnesota and Western Wisconsin. Welcome to the Results Driven Podcast. Today's episode of the Results Driven Podcast features Remax Results Sales Executive Lisa Dunn. Lisa works in our Edina East office. She's been with us for about eight years. Lisa's specialty is working with seniors, and your team name is called the Change Agents Group. I love that. Thank, Thank you. you for joining us, Lisa. Thanks for having me. Um, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself specifically let's jump right into the senior part of it um, how long have you been in real estate at when did you start focusing just on senior housing I started as a full-time agent in 2003 so I'm in my 17th year mm-hmm. and I really worked with seniors or wanted to start focusing working on seniors on day one I was lucky enough to have a business coach that said, if you're going to be a real estate agent, don't just be somebody who's chasing transactions. Do something that you're passionate about. And I have always known that I'm hardwired to want to make as big a difference in the world as I can. And I knew that having a specialty was going to be really important to me. So on day one, it was my focus. Did you ever work with seniors in any other capacity before that? My very first job when I was 16 was as a certified nursing assistant. And I worked at Northridge Nursing Home in New Hope. Oh, how, oh, okay. That yeah. explains it. That explains it. Yeah. So you've been in real estate 17 years. So what were you doing before then? Oh, that's a long story. I want to so hear it. <laughs> I have a master's degree in psychology, okay. which makes me uniquely qualified to help people buy and sell homes. Yes. <laughs> um, so I worked as a um, th- family therapist and a licensed graduate social worker at Healthy St. Joseph's Hospital for about eight years. Um, and then when I realized that the janitor's were making more money than I was. <laughs> I moved into doing healthcare consulting and I worked as a consultant for Medica and Blue Cross Blue Shield and Alina and I helped them do implementation around HIPAA. So all of the privacy laws and the electronic transactions, I was a project manager during that time. And when you're a project manager and you have a team of 150 or 150 team members and a multi-million dollar project, it's really hard to stay in healthcare because then you kind of wonder now what once you've had that big of a project that you've worked on. Mm-hmm. So I knew that it was time to do something different. I went to a corporate meeting where you could find out about purchasing an in-home care franchise. And there was no bar for admission. They, as long as you had the money in your pocket, you could purchase the franchise. Hmm. They didn't do any background checks. They didn't care about your experience. And I decided that was definitely not an industry I wanted to be a part of. The look on your face right now, Brenda, was exactly how I felt during that corporate meeting. So I knew that I did not want to do that. And my boyfriend at the time and I decided that we were going to go 
go rehab a couple houses and we did that. And that's how I started doing real estate. I never set out to be a realtor. I always knew that I wanted to work with seniors and now I get to do both. So you were rehabbing houses. That's how you got into real estate. Yeah. And my boyfriend, he's now my husband, but my boyfriend at the time, it was his sister who said, you know, why don't you just do real estate for a while? It's a lot of fun. And you know, you could do real estate with seniors since that's, you can do anything with real estate. She's the one who made me realize that. So I know that you, you teach, um, like the R, the SRES, um, course. I know that you to talk to me about, you teach everywhere. I you do. do oh, let's share a little I bit. I do that. a lot of speaking and that goes back to making as big a difference in the world as you can. The more people that know things, the bigger difference I'm able to make. So I teach the SRES class through the Minneapolis Area Association of Realtors. Mm-hmm. And I only teach it once a year because it's so time intensive. Um, And I took a year off. Two years ago, I said, that's it. I'm not going to teach anymore. They couldn't find anybody else to teach it. So Lacey, the director of education at the association, has been bugging me to come and teach again. And I was at a real estate conference with my team, and my team kind of gave me, read me the riot act. They said, Lisa, you really need to be teaching these classes. So... I reluctantly agreed. Mm-hmm. Um, and since then, I have been asked to speak at the Realtor Summit. MHFA called me and asked me to be on a panel. Um, so I've, it, a lot of opportunities have come to do some speaking and helping people understand how to make their businesses more senior friendly. So let's dig a little bit deeper on um, what, like, Working with seniors, it's it, it's so broad. I mean, you're working with their children. You're helping them transition your health, I mean, right down to estate sales, right? I mean, tell me what's a typical transaction for you? Is there even a typical (laughs) transaction? No, I I don't think any real estate agent would say there's a typical transaction um, to work. So the mistake that a lot of agents make when they start taking the SRES classes is they think that this is kind of a quick niche. It's a quick way to dig in and get some quick business. There's nothing about it that's quick and there's really not much about it that's easy. Um, one of the agents in our office walked by me the other day. He said, do you do any normal stuff? I said, no, normal normal is not what we do. So um, the sales cycle can be really long. When I first meet a senior, it can be a year to three years before they actually move. Um, and you know that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Case in point. Um, so The sales cycle can be really long, or it can be somebody who is in a transitional care unit. They find out from their care team they can't go home, and they've got to hurry up and get their house sold so that they have the money to move into a senior housing building. So it's kind of one extreme or the other. Um, You don't get to do a lot of electronic transactions or electronic signing or communication by email. A lot of it is... right. To, to get a price reduction, you have to get in your car, you have to drive to their home, you have to have tea and crumpets and listen to the stories, and then get the, the change form signed. There's nothing can, wrong with that. No, there's nothing wrong with it. It's the best part of my job. But it's a three-hour process to get it. A price change. So um, everything about working with seniors is different. And you have to know a lot more. And you have to be willing to do more. Tell me a story about um, a moment in the last, you know, 10 years or so that maybe that changed you Mm -hmm. or impacted you in some way. 
I know you have many, I've heard some, but share one with our listeners. So I think the most difficult cases are when, oh, It was about, it was last fall, I was introduced to a woman, um, I'll call her Renee, and she lived in a diner, and she lived in the house that she inherited from her parents. She was very proud of that house because it meant that her parents made it, and they had something to pass on to her. Um, I really think she was on the autism spectrum because she was not very high-functioning, um, and she lived alone. She worked part-time at the library. And when I went to go visit her, she had two rescue dogs that um, she did not know how to take care of very well. So there was um, excrement all over the house, and the house was really falling down around her. The um, living conditions under which she was living, um, I wouldn't wish on my worst enemy. And she didn't have anybody there to help her. And she had taken out a home equity line of credit, was late on the payments, and her home was being foreclosed on. She had lots of equity left in the house, enough to be able to choose a senior housing building and get out of there and be in a clean, fresh, new start. Mm -hmm. Um, But nobody was there to help her figure those things out. So when I was introduced to her, I got to work with her and help make that happen. Um, there's another person that was integral in helping get her moved. And that is somebody that I have worked with for a long time. Um, the name of her company is financial wellness for you. And she helped figure out the money, what was coming in per month, what was going out, how much money did she have to spend? Um, and through my connections with senior housing, we were able to get her into an apartment and get her moved. Um, but it took a village. It took Mm -hmm. people who were willing to um, help clean out the house, an investor who was willing to purchase it with cash, because that's really the only way it could be purchased. Um, But we have to do it right, because you you can't just sell it to an investor. You have to have 12 investors through, and you have to document that. And you have to show that you did everything you could to get it sold for as much as you can. Mm -hmm. Um, You can't take the easy way out because the minute that you do, somebody will think that somebody got taken advantage of. Mm -hmm. So you always have to act. Um, I I think the ethics is the bottom bar that you have to act by, but you have to act as if there's someone always looking over your shoulder. So that was a tough one. Um, And she's thriving now. She's doing really well. I was going to say, do you still talk to Renee? I do. I do talk to Renee. And I just saw the the marketing person of her building yesterday at an event. And we talked about her. And she's doing really well. That's very nice. Yeah. Um, You also have relationships with all these different, these buildings, these facilities. I can't even begin, uh, like, just, just rattle off some of the different types of care facilities that there are because there's so many different 
And I think the average Joe probably doesn't understand that either. Yeah. So there is an entire continuum of care, and that has changed even a lot since I've started. Mm -hmm. When I first started, it was independent living, assisted living, and long-term care or a nursing home. Those were the only variations. But now, (laughs) yeah, it was three. And most, most seniors thought their only option was a nursing home, right? Now there's independent living, assisted living, memory care, care suites. Um, the number, the, and the hard part for a consumer and even anybody who's not familiar with those different levels is if you compare building A that calls it a care suite to building B that also has enhanced senior living, they may look really, really different. And the way they charge is really different. Somebody will... Building A may roll all of their services into their rents, and Building B may be all a la carte. So for a consumer to try to navigate their options is really challenging. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What do, you, what do you generally tell consumers? What's like... Well... At our first meeting, we do our process is to do this whole assessment process at our first meeting. We don't even talk about the house the first time I sit down with somebody. We're trying to figure out are they going to own or going or are they going to rent and what will that mean for them. Mm -hmm. We talk a little bit about their health because if they're going to need long term care, I need to know that now because the way I sell their house will affect long term benefits if they need to look at something like medical assistance. Mm so I need to know where, where, not just where they're planning on moving, but how they see themselves living in the next five years. Um, then once we figure that out, we can start talking about senior housing because mm-hmm. we have to know how much money do they have to spend? Where do they want to live? Where do their kids live? And if I know that they want to rent and they're going to need services, that might look a little different than if they are a 65-year-old who wants to just purchase a townhome. Just listening to you describe your role, it's so different than that of a typical real estate agent. Mm-hmm. You, you're you on a whole different level. You know, I guess that's probably something to talk about because I got an I got a, I received a call from one of the agents at our in our brokerage mm-hmm. last last week mm-hmm. or maybe two weeks ago. Um, he's working with an older gal. She was planning on moving into an independent living building. He had sold her house. They were going to close within the week or so. She had a nursing assessment done and because she was on oxygen and needed some health care services, she was not eligible to move into that independent living building. And he wasn't quite sure where she was going to live because this house is closing in a week. Oh no. So <laughs> the kinds of things that we do when we're working with seniors, we make sure that we're talking with the senior housing building that we know when they can move. Um, and so we are able to avoid some of those pitfalls because we know where they're going. What's a, what's the biggest takeaway? What's the biggest life lesson? Is there anything you would have done differently? Any regrets? No regrets. I, I wish I would have built a team earlier. Ah. Um, I can't imagine doing anything else now. Um, my mom and dad tease me about, having a master's degree and not using it. And I tell them I use it every day. Oh, yes, so, you do. <laughs> um, I, no, I, I don't know what else I would do, to be honest with you. What is one piece of advice you would give to new newer agents 
or agents just entering the industry, what's one piece of advice you'd give to them? The riches are in the niches. <laughs> Get yourself a specialty. Find a mentor that's doing what you want to do and hang on. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and figure out what gives you reason to get up in the morning? What gives you the fire in the belly and what makes you passionate? How can you incorporate what you're passionate about into what you do day to day? And when you do that, nobody will ever be as good at doing it as you are. Anything that that you see that's going to be happening in the future, any other big changes in real estate industry that you foresee or just in your line? I think the scariest thing right now, and it's not just for seniors, it's kind of across all of housing, is the lack of housing Mm -hmm. and the huge lack of affordable housing. Mm -hmm. Um, We're just not building enough affordable housing for anybody. Um, so that's scary. And the other thing that's scary is seniors who don't have enough money to pay for both their rent and healthcare needs. You started up a nonprofit. I did. How long ago was this? About three years ago? Maybe? A year and a half ago. Oh. It's a baby nonprofit. Oh, and tell me, tell me about that. Yeah. So it goes back to what we were just talking about with the lack of affordable housing. Um, I, <clears throat> working with um, senior housing communities, I was introduced to a gal who worked in subsidized senior housing, which I don't work a ton with because most of my clients have houses to sell and they've got money from the sale of their house and they're able to pay rent somewhere. But there's this whole world of subsidized senior housing that exists that I had not done a lot of work with. And I was at a meeting with this gal and she looked at me and she said, you know, the worst part about my job is watching seniors come into my building and they don't have a bed. They have the clothes on their back. They don't have a chair. They don't have a fork to eat with. They have nothing. I could not get my head around why that was happening because my clients who are downsizing, they have so much crap, they don't know what to do with all of it, right? So how how could there be a world that existed that seniors were moving into senior buildings without a chair to sit on? How does that happen? Mm -hmm. So I did a lot of research about furniture banks. We've got another furniture bank in the metro that everybody knows about. It's bridging. Yes. And they do wonderful work. Um, The challenge that our seniors had accessing bridging is you have to access bridging through an agency that does business with them. And those agencies are charged a fair amount of money to be a partner of bridging, which is why they can do everything they do. Mm -hmm. Um, Our seniors often don't have that. They might have a county social worker, but they don't have a way to access bridging and they don't have a way to transport the furniture and they don't have somebody to go shopping with them. So there were some folks falling through the cracks and we decided that that just wasn't going to work. We needed to do something. So I did. Um, I filed to start up the silver closet about a year and a half ago. Um, and the results foundation very graciously, our first year helped give us some seed money to get going. Mm-hmm. Um, 
the first six months we were around, we helped eight seniors. We filled eight par- eight apartments. And when I say filled them, we give them a love seat and a chair and a TV, a flat screen TV um, that were donated by St. Thomas University and um, dishes and forks and pots and pans and linens and towels and everything they need to get started. Do you have a crew of people that help out or are you, you're moving the stuff into these homes? And how, I mean, are you? So how we, hands on are you? Well, we have a, I'm very hands on. Mm-hmm. I'm the acting executive director. Mm-hmm. So I, I'm the one who runs the website that the seniors access the furniture through. But we are, the hugest help is triple A movers. I have a staging warehouse where I can put together the furniture and then I ship it all off to triple A. Triple A stores it in their vaults and then they deliver all of the furniture to our seniors for free. Oh, wow. They're amazing. And the guys, their movers are phenomenal. They're just really nice to work with. The first time they came to pick up furniture, they were wrapping it in blankets and saran wrap. And I said, you know, this is used furniture, right? That's not necessary. And they still wrap all of the soft goods, all of the love seats and chairs just to keep it safe and keep it dust free. So how many homes have you furnished since you started? 24. That's awesome. That's yeah. awesome. What are your goals for the silver closet? My goal is for there to be enough money to hire a full-time executive director. Mm-hmm. Um, because 20 a year is about all we can do right now. That's our capacity. Mm-hmm. Um, so we actually have a fundraiser coming up. We'll see if we can hold it. Um, we <laughs> yeah. have a fundraiser at Surly coming up on August 17th. Um so the more fundraising and the more grants and the more access we can have to money, mm-hmm. the sooner we can hire an executive director, the sooner it can grow. Where can people, um, if they want to help out or volunteer or get involved in any way or do a donation, where can they go? For Sil- silvercloset.org. I, I can't imagine you have any hobbies outside of all this. <laughs> what are your hobbies? Do you? So I love, uh, yeah, I've got a few hobbies. Um, <laughs> one is I love to make jewelry. And it's, I like the kind of jewelry where it requires a needle and thread and little itty bitty tiny beads. Um, <laughs> and there's something just super zen about it because it requires so much concentration. Everything else just kind of falls away way when mm-hmm. I'm doing that. Um, so I do that. Mm-hmm. Um, I love biking. I've done a lot of biking. Um, d- I rode with team leukemia a number of times. Distance. Yep. Yep. Yes. I've done a number of century rides and then the 150 MS ride, um, yeah. did that. And gosh, I, family, you know, spending time with my mom and dad and my mother-in-law and the people that are important to me. That's, that pretty much makes up my day. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So for listeners, it's no surprise why I've asked Lisa to help with my 99 year old grandmother. (laughs) Thank you so much, Lisa. Thank you. Um, I really appreciate it. Is there anything else you wanted to add? Boy, I, um, yes, there's one more thing. I can tell you that um, being at Remax Results has really allowed me to grow as a professional in a way that I wasn't able to at my previous broker because they often kind of looked at me and wrinkled their nose and said, what, what, what do you do? <laughs> um, so I'm just super appreciative to be here. 
Thank you. Thank you. We're lucky to have you here. Appreciate it, Lisa. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Results Driven Podcast. I'd love to hear from you. If you have comments or questions about the show, head over to resultsdrivenfeedback.com. I want to know your thoughts and I may share them on a future podcast. Is there someone you feel deserves to be featured on the podcast or is there a topic you'd like us to cover? Send us who and why at resultsdrivenfeedback.com. I'm Brenda Tusshouse and thank you for listening to the Results Driven Podcast.